Hello there and welcome to the Fashion Lab. My name is Lizo Gumbo Regisford and on today's show we have our designer exclusive featuring flagship handbags with handbag designer for flagship Sue Passmore. Sue, welcome to the show. Thank you. Now, um, we all know, and I'm sure for you who've been listening, is we definitely want to highlight um, some of the interesting um, stories um, around different brands within the continent. I feel like one of the things that we really do not um, highlight or really push out is the narratives behind um, these brands. So we got to meet Sue um, a few weeks ago somewhere at the SA Fashion Week um, trade show and her staff really stood out. She's got the most exquisite, beautiful handbags. The story behind it is just amazing. And that is why we're going to be having this um, exclusive. Now, if you know any other brands out there that you feel we may have heard of, but may not really know the story or the soul behind or the essence behind their brands, you're also welcome to reach out to us on Fashion Lab AF uh, on Twitter. Send us some some of those brand names. Um, you can also email us at info at fashionlabafrica.com. We would love to highlight and share these stories. We have this exclusive every month, mostly towards the end of the month. Uh, and we would love to hear from you. Uh, but moving on along, I want to just welcome you again. Uh, we're going to be joined on the show by Ayanda Nlapo, who is also coming in with her African fashion alert. And we are going to be joined in by Morag Stan staying with her glam up well um moving on along we would just like to welcome ayanda ayanda you look beautiful welcome to the show we'd love to hear what's going on in the continent let us know let's 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 do this thank you very much liz what's up africa you tuned into africa's fashion alert with myself ayanda Nklapo, right here on fashion lab africa this week's major alert is Africa Fashion Week London, which has been the biggest African-inspired fashion event in Europe for the past six years, and they are now getting ready for their sixth edition. Another highlight is that pre- preparations for Africa Fashion Week Nigeria are also underway. Speaking of Nigeria, Nigerian model Mayowa Nicholas is now the first Nigerian to be featured in a Darcy and Gabbana campaign for their fall-winter 2016 campaign in Napoli, Italy. This year also marks the second edition of the Efroma Awards, which are set for October in Ghana. This annual event is set to bring all professionals in the modeling and fashion industry, such as designers, models, agencies, photo fashion, what? Fashion photographers, fashion bloggers, makeup artists and stylists across Africa are under one roof. Afroma Awards are awarded to recognize excellence in the modeling and fashion industry in Ghana and Africa. Looking towards the bottom of Africa, Zimbabwe Fashion International is proud to announce that it has finally closed the gap and allowed Zimbabwe designers to have access to the market. This gap is being bridged by the launch of The Space, a unique and artistically themed showroom that has been created to celebrate and sell the best in Zimbabwe's fashion, design and art. And guess what? Beyonce was spotted wearing African fashion again. She was recently seen wearing a Sally Rebby cane kimono and a, rem- and a rainbow skirt in a rather eclectic way on the streets of New York City. South African designer Laduma Matlosa had his collection posted on Beyonce's blog a few months ago. So I personally think that Beyonce is low-key in love with fashion, African fashion. 
I have more great news. Africa is said to be the next Asia for fashion. Although Asia-Pacific remains the world's largest regional apparel and footwear market, the Middle East and Africa is said to be the most dynamic region for apparel and footwear over 2015 to 2020, with value sales of $134 billion by 2020. South Africa has played a pivotal role in the development of region, accounting for 12% of absolute value growth over 2010 to 2015. And this is why the market has attracted a slew of international brands, including Zara, Gap, Forever 21 and H&M. That was your weekly dose of African fashion news. Keep it locked to Africa Fashion Lab for more fashion news, courtesy of Africa's Fashion Alert with Ayanda and Klapo. Over to you, Morag, with Clam It Up. Hi, good afternoon, everyone. Once again, hi, Liz and Ayanda. Thank you so much for joining me on Glam Up today. Lipstick color of the week is a nude. The reason for me choosing the nude is that I know each woman has her favorite. For me, a nude is something I have in my bag. It's a go-to lip color. My favorite one is from Catrice. The color is called Be Natural. It's number 10 from the Ultimate range. The texture is a little bit more creamier than my usual choice of mattes, as you know. It has a full coverage over my lips. The wear is really long on the lipstick as well. I'd say about two to three hours before I need a full touch-up. The Catrice packaging is really beautiful. It's a high black gloss um, bullet that the, you know, the lipstick comes in. I'll post the details for online ordering worldwide via my Facebook page a bit later. Today I'll be discussing something a bit more aesthetic, as we say, and what I'll be discussing is the mommy makeover. A woman gets judged on for having done, but what about those gazonkas that used to be a full B-cup, that excess skin and fat that just, you know, is there, even though we diet, we work out. Being a celeb and having surgeries done is something of the past. Women are wanting to have it done now. It's something that's becoming more and more of a plastic surgery trend. But it's not only something that a woman gets done. It's also there to build the self-confidence and esteem of a woman. Let me clarify this mommy makeover. It's more of a marketing term than a surgical one, but it involves multiple plastic surgery procedures that restore and invigorate a woman's post-pregnancy body. The surgery is customly designed for every woman's needs and requirements. It's a mix of a tummy tuck, breast enlargement or augmentation um, being a lift, liposuction that helps a bit with the body contouring, and of course a Brazilian butt lift. A mommy makeover surgery can cost anything from $10,000. So ladies, here in South Africa, that would be around about 160,000 rand. And that's if you have the full Monty. Obviously, it will be a little bit less if you only have what's you know done and what your body requires. I did some research and the basic outcome was that women around the world say that they'll actually save and do what it takes to have a surgery like this done. And that's, of course, across the globe. According to the American Society of Plastic Surgery, in 2015, 56% of the surgical cosmetic procedures were performed on the patients of the ages between 30 and 39. 29% of them were aged 20 to 29. So if we think that's quite young, that women are actually, you know, starting to change what they want or what they have, you know. I attribute the trend to the obsession with youth as well as the public's acceptance of plastic surgery, you know, in the era that we're in now. Even the numerous television makeover shows 
that are merely an indication of the boom that it actually began a few years ago. Women are now just being sort of more open about it and, you know, discussing it in public and, oh, what, you know, let's have this done or let's have that done. I think it's a really fabulous trend and it's something that if a woman does it for herself to build her self-confidence and have, and she has the resources to have it done, then why not? I mean, we all want to stay young. We all want to feel young and preserve our bodies or to have the body that we always wanted. Women want to be able to wear designer clothes and feel amazing. It's almost like just having a second chance, you know. Listen, Ayanda, in a nutshell, what are your thoughts about this? Just And then just to follow, you can follow me on social media um, via Twitter and Instagram at Moragstein. That's M-O-R-A-G-S-T-E-Y-N. And that's on Facebook as well, just Moragstein. Thank you and have a wonderful, wonderful week. And wow, that was amazing. And I think it's really important because I can't even keep up with the news. I mean, Ayanda, we love, we love the doors. Uh, just a quick reminder for you who are listening as well. Um, my favorite segment comes at the end of the show. It's called Who Would You Want to Dress and Why? I'd like you to feel free and share with us your who's and your why's. It is the segment that we use to wind down. It's kind of like your glass of wine <laughs> at the end of the day. <laughs> Give your tweets coming at Fashion Lab AF. Share with us some of your favorite, um, uh, brands out there, but I want to go straight ahead and introduce our very special guest on today's show. Um, Sue Passmore for a big, a bit of a brief for those of you who don't know, uh, Sue Passmore, who's the handbag designer for flash, flagship handbags has enjoyed a lifelong passion for design. It's all in all its forms, all its shapes. Uh, she has decades of sewing experience. She studied interior design at Inkscape Design College in Joburg in 1984. Yeah, you heard me. And uh, she's also been able to um, work in other spaces. She enrolled in a course in London with a master craftsman, Anthony Vrahimis, to gain skill required to cut patterns and construct handbags commercially. She's also found a vocation that obviously combines all her talents and skills. I promise you, if you see her bags, anyway, we're going to be tweeting some of her bags as we go. And I don't want to kiss and tell because she's right here with us in studio. Welcome to the show, Sue, once again. Thank you for having me. So, so Sue, I want to just first of all, just start. I mean, I'm sure whoever heard 1984 was like, oh my gosh, some of you who are listening were not even born yet. But I just want you to start by giving us a bit of a history behind how you got into fashion design. I mean, how you got into design, but why handbags? I mean, design is, is such a diverse, uh, you know, sort of industry. And and it's interesting how people, some people just focus on shoes, some on handbags, some on clothes, some, of every, some on everything. I'm still trying to figure out, should I specialize in jackets or just skirts? But let's talk about your beginnings and where you started and why the handbags. Well, um, I've always, as you know, or as you've mentioned, been interested in fashion design. As a teenager, I wanted to be a fashion designer, but... My parents told me to do something more sensible, so, <laughs> Story of so I did. <laughs> so, and as you said, 1984, I am a mature woman. I've had my family, they've grown up, and it's taken this long to actually get down to doing what I always wanted to do. But handbags were not on – handbags arrived 
because I was looking to buy a handbag that suited me, that was good quality, simple, beautiful leather, affordable, and no bling. I'm laughing because I'm the bling queen. You're obviously not interested in bling. Uh-huh. No. <laughs> Minimalism is my thing. And I couldn't find one. And with all my years of sewing experience, I thought to myself, and I'm a great do-it-yourself. I love to do things when I shouldn't be doing them, actually. <laughs> but um, I thought, I wonder if I can make my own. So I went out and bought some very thin leather and used my domestic sewing machine and realized very quickly that it actually doesn't work. You have to have special machines. You have to have the knowledge. And then I started thinking, well, I wonder where I could find that knowledge. Who could give me that knowledge? The Internet has just changed my life because without it, I couldn't have found anything. (laughs) But I did find Anthony Rahimus on the Internet, and I communicated with him and he agreed to put together this special course for me so I went and I did it and the it's also one of those things the more you learn the more you realize there is to learn so after my first trip to go and study with him or see him in his workshop I came back I started then I realized uh-uh, I need more so then the following year I went back again And the course was actually double what the first course had been. It was intensive um, for the period I was there. And I'd love to go back and back and back. But the other experience is also huge. You know, there's so so much you can learn and so much you can acquire from experience. So I've just been working, you know, for the five, six years. Wow. And um, and applying all of the skills yes, and everything that you yes, acquired from yes. there. Yes, and I learn new stuff every day. You know, it's and there's so much available to. I watch all the YouTube videos and everything <laughs> that I can lay my hands on because I'm quite isolated here. There's not a lot of people that do what I do, especially from start to finish. Now you have your workshop here in Juleberg. Yes. So how many what are, how many workers do you employ? I mean how many what how what type of size are you able to handle um you know it's just about understanding what type of quantity when it comes to bags are you able to handle? Do you have the right the the proper infrastructure for it? Um like you said it's a very um it's not just going in and getting a whole sort of workshop full of machines and people who can make shirts. It's it's actually a more advanced skill and especially for the fact that I've seen your bags I've seen the detail behind it what is your capacity and do well, you, answer- and are, yeah and are you also catering for you know obviously again we are back to the business behind fashion you, at the end of the day you want to sell but what's your model how do you work what is your capacity what are you happy pushing out are you as exclusive as I don't want to push out too much or this is enough for the week or this is enough for this particular type of retailers? Let's talk about that. Well, the answer to all your first questions is a big zero. There is no workers other than me. I'm on my own. Wow. So I do everything from start to finish. Wow. Obviously, my output is limited. Um I find I can comfortably complete a handbag in a week. 
But that is my um, my whole business is bespoke, custom made, one of a kind. Um, there's no factory or mass production or even. And you're not interested in that. No, because I think that's where I'm unique. Um, I can't compete with cheap brands, mass-produced brands, and I don't think I want to. I want mm. to remain what I am, unique. Uh, what I offer is unique. It's certainly unique in this country, <clears throat> and there are not a lot of bespoke handbag makers worldwide, in fact. Mm. A lot of people, well, a number of people have a situation where online <clears throat> You can choose a style and custom make it as in choose your color, etc., etc. But with me, you can come for any style. There's no nothing to choose from. You can produce your own drawing, your own sketch, wow. bring a photograph, or work together with me to create some a new design. So there's actually no limits. Wow. <clears throat> um, I have a number of different color leathers. I sort of collect leather almost when I can. I collect bits and pieces that I can use on a handbag. Where, um, where do you source this leather from? Is it locally or do you travel? No, around? in the past I've got it from Italy. Um, the current exchange rate is... <laughs> Uh, let's talk about that uh, after the show. <laughs> I'm not smiling. Do I look like I'm smiling, Sue? I'm not even smiling either. Yeah. Um, a lot of the, in fact, all the materials, if I could have sourced them locally to start with, I would have done so. I was almost forced to um, to look elsewhere because, number one, quality, and number two, variety. Um, if I want an orange leather, I don't want to have to buy 10 hides in orange, which I could have it done here, but that's the way they work. You have to have a minimum of 10. If I bring it in from Italy, I can buy one. Wow. And it's a beautiful leather. So, um, Price points-wise, is it cheaper um, to get it from the other? I mean, let's forget about the exchange rate, but just price point-wise, are you getting more value buying it from Italy or are you getting – would you be getting more value buying the 10 in here? In uh... um, I think you'd – I mean, it would be cheaper here, and it's it's also the shipping. But what I love about you is you're so detailed and you are so shameless about it. And, and in an, in a positive way yeah. to a point where you're saying it's actually, I don't care if you're selling 10 for one. I mean, whatever it is, buy one, get free. I don't want that. I mm. want one special piece and that's it. Mm. So I love the, 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 you're so, um, you're so detailed, but you're so focused about, around this detail that you're not even, you have refused to let anything sidetrack you. And mm. I've seen how you've even mixed like a lighter shade of like an orange with a darker shade of an orange, do you dye the leather again or do you just stay no, away from there, that there, part of Yeah, there again, I know that you can have leather dyed here um, to your specification, but I personally wouldn't trust the quality. Um, so are we saying, Sue, that we are just not up to uh, a certain level when it comes to um, just Africa and how we... 
um, no, are doing I think things. If, you, if you're doing, you know, if it's a real tannery and they they're dying from scratch, then that's fine. But what I'm saying is, I know there's a place where if you want a couch covered, you can have one or two hides dyed. Now that to me is like painting. Um, the other thing that I've been fascinated with is the different qualities of leather. People say this is real leather. It doesn't necessarily mean it's, it's real. real leather. It's There are so many grades of leather, and I only use what's called top grain. Um, it's where if the cow has a tick bite, you will see that tick bite on the leather. Oh, wow. Whereas... I mean, going downwards from there, um, you get a corrected grain. You even get splits. They split the leather. So the back is actually real leather. But then they almost paint it and, um, well, they do paint it. And then they put a, a, a sort of sealant on it, etc. And they can advertise it as real leather because it is leather. But it's, but it's not, it's not so real to sue. Yeah. <laughs> Guys, you're listening right now. Look at the detail around how Sue is designing her bags to a point where she can tell you, look, there is, oh, there's the tick bite. Yeah, that's the one I want. Yes. You know, um, as we're talking about leather as well, it's so important. And I hope that the continent and the world is listening, obviously, especially designers who are venturing into leather products or certain types of products. You know, when you sit down and you specialize in a certain type of material, to use for your product obviously the detail behind you also understanding what you're actually using and pushing out saying that this is what it is 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 very crucial um i am not a leather designer but i do have for winter i normally do uh some really cool simple leather jackets and i've got a leather person who actually sells me leather but I've had also an op option of a few leather options where I look and I'm like, is this really leather? It's just that I don't have the knowledge, that you, the in-depth knowledge of how do you actually tell what's what. But you can feel good quality leather. You will feel it and you will know that this is the truth. Like, So uh, how yeah. do you know which – is it that they're specific? Like my guy gets his – he's Pakistani and he actually gets – so he even says this is, he's like, this is a different leather, honey. I'm going to give you leather that you can't even find here. Is it about also where we source the leather from? Is it about the processing? Because obviously there's cows everywhere. I mean, there's, <laughs> there's, uh, that's, there's no doubt. And then there's factories and tanneries that work with this. I'm not saying everywhere, but I mean, like there's different. It's just weird that I can have five different suppliers of leather and I look and touch and I'm like, what, what happened to one and what happened to this one? How do you – I must say the other day I went to try and source some leather and I was so thrilled with myself because I walked in and I said, okay, I want full grain, top grain. Leather, what have you got? And he showed me. And then at the back they had racks of bits and pieces. So I went wandering around there. And I went up to one and I said, what about this one? And he said, yes, that's full grain. And I went to another one. I said, what about this one? He said, yes, that's full grain. I could actually tell from a distance which, which one, one was full grain and which one was corrected. To me, the full grain has life in it still. The others just, you might as well use plastic. They're obviously grades. Some are better. Some are semi-corrected. Um, then there's the different tanning processes, aniline, semi-aniline, pigmented, chrome-dyed, 
they all these different versions of leather. Um, and so then, you, you really go for the virgin, virgin. Yeah. What do they call it in your language? In the leather, <laughs> the leather world. Full grain. <laughs> <laughs> uh, guys, if you're listening, this is Sue Pashmore. We are talking to. We are um, having this exclusive around her just to share. And understand, uh, the narrative behind fa- flagship handbags and the detail behind it because it's so interesting how you could say you know of a designer or you know of a, a sort of creative, but sometimes you'd really never hear or get to the soul or the essence of, um, their brand. Now, so I want to go back to price points because of mm-hmm. the fact that we've spoken about your handbags and that one of the examples you gave me is averagely you could do a a bag in a week because you're the one who's doing the cutting, the trimming, the sourcing, the, the, the everything from beginning literally to the end. Yeah. How do you get from that point of working on this piece with all of the beautiful detail applied in it for the week? How do you then get to work on your pricing and who is this bag for? Are you just making a bag? Because obviously I know you said there's specific special orders as well, but mm. then... Do you just wake up and make a bag anyway and it's, it will still sell? And who are you selling it to and how? Well, most of my orders are for customers, as in, you know, custom-made handbag. If I haven't got an order, then I can make for myself. Just because <laughs> I was going to say, how many handbags? <laughs> no, no, I don't, I don't mean for myself to use. I mean just a design to of make. my own choice. Try something new. Um, and I love that. And then I make it and just hope it will sell. And do they sell uh, averagely 50%, 70% of it? Um, I'd say 70. I, I do, in the past I've done, um, you know, like an open day, of, um, what's Seal. the word they want? Um, tra- trade, not a trade show, but Pop-up you know, shop. um, sort of a launch of a new collection, so to speak. Um, the SA Fashion Week was a very nice, I thought, outlet. Even if not so many sales, but just to let people know that I am there. Very nice. Um, in fact, I think I'll do it again in the, <laughs> in the <year>. <laughs> <laughs> That's power to SA Fashion Week. For those who don't know, um, there was a trade show right after the Fashion Week and there was a lot of designers that I also got to connect with, like Sue herself. And um, it's interesting how for her being as seasoned as she is, she still, you still found value in it and you will do it yeah, again. Yes. And did you get a lot of, do you feel I like? I loved it. I really enjoyed it. But besides the exposure, did that ex- exposure exchange into some sort of a returns or some sort of buyers or some um, sort of? Not yet, but you know, it's slowly, slowly, small steps. Okay. You know, more and more people say, oh, yes, I've heard about you and you're not sure why, but um one can only hope it does translate into sales somewhere along the line. So some of the bags that you had at the trade show, Sue, were those bags that you had designed from scratch based on just your own imaginative, creative juices flowing or are those out of different collections that are left over and then you basically just... Well, well, both because they were handbags that I just designed for my own creative satisfaction. But a couple of them were from old collections. In other words, um, apart from anything else, that SA Fashion Week came up quite quickly. I wasn't anticipating doing it. So I 
needed as many bags as I could get. And as I've said, I can only make so many. So I had to use some of the old ones. But they all were good examples. And they were there really as examples of what can be done. Wow. Um I I um we are we are putting up some more pictures of these beautiful bags because they are that beautiful and the fact that you are now listening to the soul behind the bags is even more fascinating. The fact that she does everything from scratch, from conception to literally distribution. Uh from her workshop in Johannesburg, she focuses on creating distinct but timeless individually crafted handbags in line with the move away from mass production and brand fixation, and she is not apologizing. She's very serious about that. Now, another thing I want to find out. So branding is very important, obviously. Like one of the things I do is I make sure that, you know, for whatever we produce as a designer or as a brand, you want to make sure your label is very clear on it and stuff. Now, you on the flip side are not really very interested in the labeling of of your brand on the bags. No, my logo goes inside the bag. Um, so it does go on somewhere. It but is inside. there, yes, but it's in inside. The, there's a, been a huge move away from the outside. The outside. Big <laughs> <laughs> they, they called it the, uh, what did they call it? The Louis Vuitton um, <laughs> sort of way. Um, of branding. Uh, yes. That screams out. And obviously yes. you said you're very, your approach is very minimalist, so we can understand why you want to keep it clean, uh, discreet. Yes. And I think it says like, it's, it smells it's like luxury. <laughs> well, it should do. The, the bag must make the statement, not the logo. Wow. So you're against all the, not against, but you're not really a fan of like a big bag with like Louis Vuitton splashed all over it. No, oh. definitely not. Yeah. Um, to me, uh, you use the word discreet. Mm -hmm. um, that is the new. <laughs> the new that's black. the new. Yeah, <laughs> it's the new it bag. <laughs> Guys, discreet is the new black. So if you want to be cool, uh, get on that with that. But I can understand um, how that is. Um, so I want to talk about your embellishments uh, and some of the trims, some of like your zips. Your do you, where do you order your zips? Where do you order the fixtures? Where do you do you also get those locally? No, I, my fixtures are all Italian, and the zips, funnily enough, come from France. Uh, once again, I do the. I have a whole herd of local zips. Um, they're all made by YKK, but if I want to buy it by the meter, if I buy it here, I have to buy 100 meters. If I buy it in France, I can buy 10 meters. So I don't want 100 meters. And the quality that I'm buying is their top of the range, um, specially made zips. So I've been able to buy those and they will last me wow. quite some time. And I love that you are literally saying this is what you brought to birth this is what you envisioned and this is what you're going to give the consumer that's what they'll live with it doesn't matter if you have to fly to france so between france italy uh and all of our what did we call the leather the long grain full, full, full grain, grain leather, leather. Uh, what's your pricing like seriously like what is the range of well, if somebody wanted to um get one of your bags order one of your bags what are they looking at price wise from a retail perspective I would say for a normal handbag, as in not a lot of 
not excess handwork, uh, four and a half, five thousand rand okay. for a bag. Okay. Um, I was looking back, and it's frightening the price when I started compared to now, but it's beyond my control. Yes. Life is um, happening, economy yeah. is growing. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I saw that I had put there in my sort of mission statement or business plan, average price, 1,800 rand a bag. <laughs> I'm sure you pulled that out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what no, is it now? That's, that's, that's a fairy tale nowadays. But, I mean, it, every bag is is costed exactly. So it, there's no rounding up or average or whatever. If I've used hardware, it does add to the cost. If I've used a particular leather, it adds to the cost. Um, if I don't, it's it's more inexpensive. It's not just an average cost per style. It depends entirely what's been used on that bag. And if there's a lot of handwork, obviously the labor cost goes up. So that and that's what it is. It. Yes. So anybody who's complaining about the price and wants it lower is le get less detail and just understand that this is a business like any other business. And yeah. obviously, uh, flagship also have to make uh, their business a business. Yes. Um, tell me, Sue. Um, I know and understand that you're very bespoke. I know that most of your pieces are made based on order. Do you have uh, certain outlets across the globe or across the continent or in South Africa that actually also no. order and sell resell? Nothing? No, no, I don't. Do you have an online shop? Like, how I do you do. get your stuff? I have a website where okay. you can order online. And where, where can and you people go? Order, you would order through, um, well, the website is flagship-handbags.co.za. Um, you, there's no, like, cart, shopping cart. It, because it is a, a custom-made um, exercise. But I found it works very well because I keep in touch with a client, customer, the whole time. I know it's very scary if you're buying online. You've got to pay a deposit, and then you're thinking, where did my money go? Is it protected? Am I getting what I want? So I keep in touch with – there might be 20, 25 emails between me and the customer – before the bag actually arrives wow. at their door because I will check with on every detail what they want. I will send them little photos, comments, bag coming along nicely. This is where it is. Wow. Just to keep their minds at rest that there is actually something happening with the deposit that they paid. That's a very personalized approach to um – to retailing or to, to getting your product into the consumer's hands. And I think that that's an experience that a lot of consumers don't even know about. But that's it's, it's so you, it's a yes, service. it's an offering yeah. based on your yeah. brand, uh, based on your brand, really. Yes. Um, so another question is we're living in such a time where, I mean, deposit, like, do people even want to take deposit? I feel like, hi, pay for your dress or go home. Full payment. <laughs> uh, how do, do, do you have, uh, issues with the payment payments? Do you end up having to now stop and chase the other half of deposit? Like no, I've never had that problem. But do you not feel like, from a business perspective, it might just be easier to just say, "Look, this is the full amount, and this is it." I mean, like, why had the why the deposit? Why? I don't know. I just think it's it's fair. fair fairer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, it's in been... other words, they've covered that deposit would cover me for my 
leather or any purchases I make, if they then don't come to the party, then I haven't lost anything. But you don't but want you to. But you still don't want to put up all of that detail, and then the other half's missing because back to business. Even if you have your basic costs covered through the deposit, the reason I say this is because I also live in this industry where you know people order stuff, and sometimes you've got return customers, and there's a trust, and everything is built, and then suddenly they don't show up, or they change their number, or they disappeared, or they died. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying the 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 sad. The sad reality is now a business is I actually find it, uh, it's so good it's working for you. But I'm sure there's people who, again, back to just tailoring it so that it works for you mm. and your business is the the less people I have to deal with the deposit and another half and half mm. for me is more freedom in my business um, life. Because mm. the deposit and the chasing and the time I spend just kills it kills everything in, in the business and it's small businesses. So it's not. And so I feel like for me, people who really believe in the brand should be open enough to just say, look, I believe in it. I want it. Here is my money. Take it and give me the product. And if you're in business and you are reliable and you are, um, you've got cred and you are a real business with good standing, you should be able to deliver that and, and ha- have a happy customer. But anyway, mm-hmm. we've spoken about all these bugs and everything. It's very interesting. Where do you see the future for flagship? What are you working on? What can we expect? Where are you going? What can we look forward to for the rest of the year? I would just say more of the same. Um, where I would like to go is just to have my brand recognized as the quality that it is. Um, to get the message across that it is an item that you should want and should enjoy, um, that it'll last much longer than something half its price, that it is actually affordable. It's not – the longer it lasts, the more affordable it becomes. Um, so, yes, I'm, I'm, I don't see myself changing much. I enjoy doing it the way I do it. I'm passionate about it. Um, I, I don't want to – become large um i would like some help sometimes but <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to become large i'm like please we need to get you make you large i think um it's just beautiful that you're exclusive um you're very uh you understand your brand obviously you understand where you're going uh what direction you understand your target market and all we can obviously also wish you is the best when you continue to build the business build the brand um, get recognized, but at the same time, I think what you're doing is phenomenal. So even if uh, 50 people, I always say, uh, if I had an option of 50 people knowing me or um, five people who are really um, committed um, committed clientele, good people who will push the word out and they'll push it to five other people like them and five other, it's like less is more. So I also yeah. believe that you know when you're doing something good and you're putting all the detail the workmanship the passion in it it's a beautiful product already and if you if only 10 people knew but there were 10 people of value then you're better off having those 10 than having a million followers who don't really care about what you do yeah. <laughs> where on yeah. that note where can our listeners um, connect with you on social media uh, I'm on Facebook at flagship handbags um Instagram, flagship handbags. 
Twitter? I'm not on Twitter at this yeah. stage. But it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. At least we are on social media. That's what mm-hmm. matters. Mm-hmm. Now, um, thank you very much, Sue. It's been beautiful having you on the show. Um, before we wrap up the show, I would like us to move into our segment called Who Would You Want to Dress and Why? I know you didn't see that coming, but here we are. <laughs> <laughs> so, Sue, who would you want to dress and why? Well, if I was to make a handbag for somebody locally, I would say it would be Reedy Clubby. Who? Reedy Clubby, 702 presenter. Okay. She, I know she loves her shoes. I'm not sure about her handbags. But <laughs> so you would want to throw one of your bags? She's somebody I admire. She keeps me company in my workshop every morning. So that would be my local choice. Okay, wow. Now, if you ask me who I would want to dress today, huh, I'm thinking, gosh, who do I want to dress today? This week, I'd like to dress Mr. Gareth Cliff himself. He's someone who's open to the unorthodox, and it would be interesting to see him wearing something next level. Today, I'd like to dress a close friend of mine, Ugo Carlini. She's a filmmaker, and I would just really like to put her in an amazing gown and just, you know, get her hair done beautifully on the red carpet and make her feel like a million bucks. I think I want to dress you, too. Today, <laughs> that would be nice. <laughs> I would want to put a touch of my uh, story and my sass and my fun and my bold colors and bold prints um, onto you. So yes, you are you are who I would want to dress today. Okay, I'd, lo- I'd love that. <laughs> well, it's been really I need nice. A makeover. <laughs> yes, well, I'm gonna take you up on that. Don't even worry. But um, it's been really nice having you on the show. Thank you again, once again. Um, good luck with the brand. We love the bags. Um, we can only wish you the best, and uh, we will be in touch. And for those of you who are listening, thank you for your continued tweets we've seen coming up. And uh, you know. Keep, keep, keep linked. We are on www.fashionlabafrica.com and we are on Fashion Lab AF on Twitter. Peace and love and continue to build whatever it is you're building with all of your passion, all of your sass, all of your mm-hmm. <laughs> peace. <laughs> Thanks. Cliff Central. The revolution. I've got something important to tell you. Cliffcentral.com.